When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, passing shotters, and welcome to the latest episode of your Tennis Catch-Up podcast. I'm Joel. And I'm Kim. And this week on The Passing Shot, we'll be rounding up the latest tour results, including the Paris Masters and the WTA Singapore Finals. We will also be talking about what's been a successful couple of weeks for our British doubles players in our Brits on Tour section. And once again, I've been surveying, I've been trawling, I've been finding the craziest stat I can in the ITF Futures circuit uh, for scoreboard stories. And lastly, we have our newest feature, the wildcard, where we will be looking ahead to the next gen finals and the World Tour finals. But as always, let's, let's start with re- results roundup. Results roundup. So um, <laughs> I think we should say, Joel, that we're actually recording this prior to the Paris final which is going to happen in a couple of hours. Um, and the reason for that is that I'm on the other side of the world and don't want to be getting up at 3am to uh, to have a chat with you. I mean, there is that's the dedication there is is 0% <laughs> there, Kim. I'm not, I'm not happy with this. I was I expecting know, you to wake up at 3am once we know the results in Paris uh, so we could give a full episode. But I guess we're going to have to, we're going to have to live with it. We're going to have to make some of our excellent predictions about who's going to win the final today. <laughs> oh, we'll get on to the predictions on. we made for Singapore shortly. But let's start with uh, let's start with Paris, because I think that's what everyone is talking about at the moment. Um, we we're at the semi. Well, hang on. We've just had the semi-finals, um, which was uh, Karen Kachanov versus Dominic Team, And we also had a blockbuster semi-final between uh, Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. Yeah, that was a that was a good match, wasn't it? It's all yeah. the distance. It sounded um, like it lived up to its billing. Was... Three hours and two minutes. Yeah, because obviously the last couple of times they've played, Federer's lost in straight sets, I think. Um, but I guess he him just winning Baal the week before has given him a bit of a boost. So that was closer than I expected. Mm. I think the only, I think for me, the biggest shame is that, and I saw a lot of people commenting, I found it was a bit, Surprising to see, first of all, Nadal make his way to Paris um, and everyone thought he was going to play. And everyone was thinking, oh, Nadal's not giving up his number one ranking without a fight to Novak. Um, But then he suffered, I think, what was an abdominal strain and uh, he took himself out of the draw. And But because he had put himself in it in the first place, it meant that Federer and Djokovic were on the same half. Um, and I think if he didn't play, they would have been on opposite halves. So, you know, it would have given us that almost like grandstand final. final it's, I yeah. think it's oh, maybe for some, it's, it a, you know, <laughs> it's a kind of a shame that it was in the, semi, in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. And also a shame that Rafa had to pull out as well. But mm. I guess, you know, he did what was right. Um, I was kind of surprised that he even maybe made it to Paris. Because like in my head, I just kind of 
ruled him out for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, that well, with Rafa pulling out, Djokovic is now guaranteed to return to number one uh, tomorrow. Uh, so he's it's the first time. This is the stat. It's the first time since two thousand and three that three different players will have held the number one ranking in a calendar year. Do you know who those players would be? Uh, Back in two thousand and three. There was actually four players that year. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to assume Leighton Hewitt is one of them. Yeah. Um, Andy Roddick? Yeah. And um, this is kind of rogue, but I think maybe an American as well. Andre Agassi? Correct. And one last person. Oh, one more person? A bit of a surprise. Oh, this is... Four people to be number one in one year. That is a that is a riot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Kim. Who was the final, who was the fourth person? I do believe it might have been Juan Carlos Ferrero. Wow. Okay. I um, I did not. I didn't actually not know that he, he got one, to number one in the world. But okay. Yep, he did. I believe, um, which is a bit surprising. But it did, when did Federer become number one? Was it two thousand and four? Then it must have been. Uh, yeah. I just assumed that when he won his first Wimbledon, he would have been number one, you know, like quite quickly after that. But, you know, it was so long ago. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so this is the first time since 2003 that three different players have held the number one ranking. Yeah. So this year we've had Roger, Rafa and Novak. Yeah, um, that's... And also, uh... interestingly, in Paris, it was the first time since the US Open that Novak actually got broken. Um, so it just shows how dominant he has been um, in the latter half of this year. And, you know, his efforts on the tennis court are, you know, it, they go beyond, they, they go beyond tennis. And I don't know, did you see earlier in the week, uh, some, a person fell ill in the crowd and he, he gave the towel to the spectator. So, you know, he's, uh, he's winning over, he's winning over the Paris crowd. And I think, you know, you look at the audience's kind of reception to him. He is, he is well loved in, in Paris. Yeah, he's, he's a very um, kind hearted player shall we say like he's always been very good with fans whenever I've like seen him live and in person um I, I just wonder if that fan actually wanted like a stinky sweaty towel <laughs> but I guess <laughs> I don't know if that would have made them feel any better uh, if they were feeling sick but anyway yeah. um who's your money on for today then Shall um we well I think you obviously have to go with Novak um Kachanov is still for me a bit of a an unknown unknown quantity um he's obviously performed very well this season I think for me the highlight was actually uh, a lo- was actually a loss when he lost to uh, Nadal at the US Open but yeah. uh, that yeah. gave me kind of it showed you know wider audience how good of a player he is and yeah I was very um, I was kind of a little bit surprised actually he rolled Dominic team in the um, in the semi-finals but uh, you know good on him I think was that first must be his first a Masters level final, uh, probably more to come. So, you know, he's got to go out there and, you know, not let, obviously not let the occasion get to him and just kind of play his own brand of tennis because it's working really well for him at the moment. Yeah, I think he also beat Isner, didn't he, and Zverev this mm. week. So he's, uh, you know, beating the, the names he needs to beat. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how close he can get to uh, Novak. I don't know if Novak might be slightly tired from his long match with Federer but we will see um we'll see what happens with that 
but I would say Novak is definitely the, the hot favourite. Um, other news from Paris. Um, well, another stat for everyone. So Jack Sog, we were talking about him in a previous episode about how poor he's been this year in the singles anyway. He's actually going to be the fourth player in history to start the year in the top 10 and finish outside the top 100 without having any like major injuries to explain for his lack of form. Um, so it's projected that he's going to finish number 105 in the world. Yeah, first, play, first player since um, <laughs> Philippoussis to start the year in the top 10 and finish the year outside the top 100. Having said all that, he almost had his best tournament in Paris um, this season. He he was very close to beating uh, Dominic Team. lost in a really tight um, three-set match. And um, yeah, I think he made the most of a good draw, got to the yeah, got to the quarterfinals, and I think you know that will that will help him obviously at the start of of next season. Um, I, yeah, it's I it's crazy we're going to be talking probably... about a player who you know was seeded for Grand Slams, <laughs> going to the point of will he actually even make the main draw or will he have to play qualifying? Um, so that's just a yeah, that's just kind of. Uh, the great divide he's gone, you know, he's gone from. But I think the peculiar thing yeah. is that although his singles form this season hasn't been that great, his dub- he's still kind of continuing his great doubles form. And I wonder whether there's a kind of, are they kind of in direct competition with each other? Can you be a good doubles player and a good singles player? Or, you know, is Jack Sock a kind of yeah. testament to the fact that you can only be one, one or the other? That's true. I think, yeah, in this day and age, you know, with it being so intense physically, it's just kind of impossible to do, to be at the top in both, isn't it? Whereas in days gone by, it was, you know, you would commonly see the top players being, you know, at the top in both. So, so yeah, I mean, I think he just probably loves being the underdog as well. Like he's had such a, well, his best week in the singles for a long time. So yeah, we'll see how he can climb back up maybe in singles next year. Um but yeah, I think we well we also had um the previous week we had two tournaments that we should um just touch on as well. So we had Kevin Anderson winning his second title of the season in Vienna at the Erst Bank Open. Um so he beat Kane Ishikori in straight sets in the final. Um really shocking um that Kane Ishikori has now lost nine consecutive finals. Yeah, that is what not a that? <laughs> that is not a stat you want, Kim, is it? I don't not at all I don't um yeah I don't I think we kind of dis- I think we discussed this on a on a previous episode we were, we were kind of like oh he's a, he's lost seven uh he's lost seven <laughs> of his last finals oh he's lost eight of yeah. his last finals and now he just wants to obviously wants to get to the big 10 but um yeah not um not an ideal situation but I actually think Nishikuri's been one of the informed players since uh since the US Open um, I think he's lost to Federer a couple of times recently, but it's had to take a really high quality um, performance to kind of, um, you know, to to kind of stop Nishikuri in his tracks. And I think, um, I think we'll, we'll, we will see him as a fourth. We will see him at the World Tour Finals. I think he will get in as a full, first alternate because uh, Del Potro is has definitely has confirmed that he is uh, dropping out. But um, mm. yeah, he seems to be getting you know, far into tournaments, but not able to kind of seal the deal. 
Yeah, and also with Kevin Anderson winning, he's also secured his place in London. Um, so that's good because, I mean, he totally deserves to be there after the year he's had. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of Vienna. We also had Basel, which, as we mentioned earlier, Federer uh, won on home turf. Um, that's his 99th title, so it was pretty significant for that. And also his ninth title in Basel, um, which must be the tournament he's won the most I yeah think i think so i think it overtakes haller i think in terms oh, of yeah the, the single Haller, tournament he, he has won most there are some on the uh, atp website they were showing some videos of federer uh playing in the tournament as a you know as a, as a youngster and i actually think he was a, he was actually before that um he was a ball boy at the tournament as well but there are some yeah, crazy highlights of him i think yeah. against andy roddick um, and it just kind of showed you kind of a glimpse into, you know, how good he was, you know, he was going, you know, he was going to be. Interestingly, though, yeah, you... he, the final, yeah. he came up against qualifier Marius, Marius Coppil. Yeah, he's a bit of a, well, a journeyman. He's sort of <laughs> one of the names that I keep seeing in like, you know, the draws, but like he never really does anything significant. Um, yeah, he had a... He had a great week getting to the final. Yeah, and that pushes his ranking. His, uh, highest um, ranking, yeah. I think. Career best ranking. I think career best ranking now with 60. Yeah. Um, before the Paris Masters having been 93 in the world. So, yeah, very good uh, very good week for him. I'm sure he'll enjoy that pro- that prize money as well, given, you know, yeah. that's, uh, you know, Absolutely. a 500 tournament, you know, not too, not too shabby. I'm sure Federer was quite relieved to have won as well because, you know, he hadn't had the best uh, results, had he, just, just prior to Basel. So I'm sure yeah. he's and I think... relieved. Um, he can go into, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe this will just be the boost he needs for, for London, um, to, you know, to try and have one last. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that year. I think a lot of people will say Federer didn't, at times, wasn't playing great tennis in Vienna, but... Yeah. Um, he just found a way of winning, and there was a really cool statistic that came out that said um, he land in in the tournament. He landed less than sixty percent of first serves in, and yet he still won. Um, and he's only done that. I think that's only happened like to him uh, three times. Three times before, sorry, two times oh, what, before. I was, that was the third time. Won. So, um, oh, wow. yeah. So he's found he's finding a way to he's finding a way to win. And kind of grind, yeah. grinding out the matches. Yeah, it's about winning ugly, isn't it? A lot of the time, just getting it done. But it does, um, it does raise that question, sweet. Kim: is where is he going to win his hundredth title? I know. I mean, London would be kind of probably quite a nice. I mean, he does so well at the World Tour finals, doesn't he? He loves an indoor hard court. I feel like potentially the only person to stop him would be Djokovic. Um, otherwise, we'll have to wait till next year. So. Yeah, I'm sure all the the Fed fans have got like you know their um, t-shirts already getting made up. You know, with like a golden 100 on or something. Um, you know, to whip out when he finally does it. <laughs> um, but yeah, should we go on to the ladies now? I think we've uh, we've got a big tournament to discuss on that side. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It was the it was the WTA. So it was the end of the end event of their season, the WTA Singapore Finals. Uh, last week and that involves the top eight players in well in the in the women's rankings 
similar to the London event for the men's. And yeah, we we had a very kind of we had a very good tournament. I think it was very it was full of kind of gr- full of great matches in the group stages, um, and that went through um, to the final rounds as well. And we ended up with uh, Svitolina um, winning her, I think, winning her big the biggest title of her career. Yeah, no, it was definitely her biggest title. Um, and I think, you know, I, neither of us predicted her. I don't think many people would have done because she hasn't had like the greatest um, years. In fact, she'd actually lost her previous six matches against top 50 players. Mm. So she was probably the one coming into it with the least amount of form. So, and then she she didn't lose a single match. So, you know, she was the outright, totally deserved winner. Um, and yeah, she she had some three set matches, you know, she had to fight for it. But it, it really did showcase, I think, the best of women's tennis. Like there were some really cracking matches. Um, yeah. The... Interestingly, though, um, we were terrible at our predictions. <laughs> I think I'd said Pliskova, you'd said Osaka, and she Osaka, finished bottom okay. of her group. <laughs> I don't know who noticed this. Was it you or just I don't know someone online? Whoever it was, thank you. But um, the winner of this year's tournament and last year's, which was Caroline Wozniacki, <laughs> okay. both wore trousers in the pre-tournament, you know, photo shoot that they do. Um, which is just interesting. So whoever wears the trousers next year is going to win. I'm just going to base it on their outfits. Maybe they're all going to wear trousers next year because they've <laughs> they'll all wear off, they've trousers, conned on this. No, they've told their fashion designers, right? Get me some, <laughs> get me some trousers to wear for the, uh, for yeah. the photo shoot. <laughs> um, but no, it was a really good tournament. Kiki Burton's also did pretty well, didn't she? Mm. Um, that was her first, her first, you know, time at the World Tour Finals. So um, that was really good for her. Uh, I think she's recently just got engaged, so she's having a great time at the moment, Kiki Burton's. And uh, yeah, no, it's good, really great tournament to finish it off being in Singapore because obviously it's moving to China next year. So yeah, it was um, yeah, I, I completely agree, and um, I thought it was very interesting <laughs> in that the um, the top four seeds going into it all didn't make it to the semi-finals actually we were left with five six yeah. seven and eight uh, to battle it out and yeah they they put on the show for the um for the crowds and it was kind of a really really good matchup um in in the final do you see Svitolina kind of kicking on do you think she's got a grand slam in her or do you think this is the best think, you know the best yeah the best um, uh, there is I think this will certainly give her the belief that she can do it um and she's has she been to a semi final of a slam or am I right in thinking she's only reached quarters? I th- I think she's only reached quarters. I don't think she's yeah. made that step yet into the semi finals. So it'll be interesting to see if this will give her the next step up, you know. So come Australian Open if she can really build on that. Um I've never really like watched her play, you know, like an awful amount before like watching her in Singapore. Um, she's kind of I know she's been like consistently up in the top 10 for like the last year and a bit um, but you know she can kind of have I mean she hasn't been of that great of late has she before Singapore so yeah it's kind of swings and roundabouts you just never know but I'd like to see her do do better in the slams um, and she has kind of proven that she can definitely and I think we also must remember that Simona Halep didn't play the Singapore finals and oh, I think true, yeah. I mean personally for me I think she's had the best 
the best season, best season um, yeah. of all the of all the women. And you know, I think again she'll be a formidable uh, opponent uh, come the you know come next season. Yeah, let's hope that she can. You know, her back injury isn't too serious, mm. and she can kind of come back uh, fully fit for the start of next season. Um, so we also have had this week. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Way high, way high. How do you say it, Joel? Uh, I <laughs> think it's way high. I searched it on YouTube how to pronounce way high, and it came up <laughs> with way high. Yeah. Okay. This is the levels of research we go into for the podcast. So um, yeah, yeah, uh, we're <laughs> going to call it way high, and um, yeah, really, it's you, it's kind of a, the WTA calendar this year is a bit different to the ATP in that. The World Tour Finals in the men's is the final event, uh, and there's obviously Davis Cup. But in the women's, yeah, the the Singapore Finals happens, and then you've got Zhui Hai, which is for um, which is for the players who are ranked nine to twenty. A similar kind of format with uh, round robin followed by semi, you know, with the winners from each group going forward to the semi-finals and then final. Um, and uh, yeah, they they got a really good. Um, again, they got a, had, I think they had a really good lineup. That um, you know, at this kind of point in the season, you are almost kind of wondering, can they really be? You know, can they really be bothered? Um, are they going to withdraw? Have they got injuries? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a kind of a really good uh, crowd. We had uh, Ash Barty, Caroline Garcia. We had uh, Gerges from Germany, Kasatkina, uh, Madison Keys, um, Kontovite, Mertens. Muguruza, Sabalenka, Sevastova, uh, Chiang Wang, who is a mainstay on our on the passing shot. Yeah. Um, we also had uh, Shui Zhang as well. I think who who was in on a wild card. Yeah. So that's literally the final has happened very uh, recently as we're recording this, and Ash Barty has beaten Quang uh, Wang in the final. Hmm. Uh, straight sets, I do believe, to win. Um, I don't think I would have picked Ash Barty to win out of all of those names. Maybe. Um, oh no, hang on. She is. She is. She is the top seed in that, isn't she? Uh, right in thinking. Yeah, she might. Have I gone mad? No. No, no, no. I don't, she's only ranked 19th. So. I think she was the. Um, maybe the ninth seed. I don't I'm... know what seed, but she's 19th in the world. Yeah. So. But she's expected to go up to. She's now going to go up to a career high 15. On one day, uh, yeah. bumps Serena Williams outside to the top before, sixteen as well, and she's obviously a very good prospect for Australian tennis um, at twenty-two years of age. And yeah, it'll be great to see her going back to obviously you know, next season, starting in a in a well in her home country and and getting having the crowd behind her. And we'll see, you know how you know how that how you know how she how far she can go. Um, in front of her home crowds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and interestingly, Quang Wang, uh, she didn't actually qualify on merit for the semis, but it was just because Madison Keys pulled out and then Quang Wang managed to beat Garbini and Muguruza to mm. get to the final. And I mean, actually, beat, she absolutely dismantled Muguruza in the semi-final. Yeah. I think it was like two and love. So, uh, but strangely, Muguruza was the only player to win her two round robin matches. Mm. So, um, anyway, um, and then yeah, none of the top four seeds actually reached the semi finals. So, um, again, kind of like upending the seeding 
Yeah. Um, and actually, whilst... Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think it's good that they have this tournament. Yeah, I quite like I it. And actually, like they've right announced the end, for yeah. next season that the dates are going to switch around with Singapore. So okay. actually, yeah. Singapore is then going to become almost like the de facto final event. Because, yeah, it does feel a bit odd having the the two in sequence like this at the moment. Um, yeah, this should be like the, the warm up for the big event mm. kind of thing. Um, but it's going to be Shenzhen, isn't it? Anyway, like Singapore is becoming Shenzhen. Like, yeah. I, I assume this one is staying in Zhuihei. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so China will have yeah two weeks of of ladies tennis to finish the year. Um, and yeah, there's also I mean weirdly on the WTA calendar there is also two tournaments happening. Well, one this week and one next week. Uh, so Mumbai this week and then Limoges next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they're kind of pretty i don't know budget tournaments um so we've got the final of mumbai which is happening later yeah which is kum kum um who i saw play in the australian open like years ago um really exciting match against kvitova but anyway she's playing against irina kromacheva so that is uh two names that perhaps most people wouldn't be familiar with um but that's going to be on later today yeah that's uh yeah i mean that's that is a matchup i know I'm not going to like him. I know nothing about... Um, I'm just looking, actually, at the draw. The top seed um, was Sai Sai Zheng uh, at 47 in the world. Um, just to give you an idea of the yeah the the quality of players that kind of um, are in, in the tournament. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, great, I mean, great to see tennis in Mumbai, in India. Yeah, it's not like saying the tennis isn't going to be good because, obviously, the depth of the tennis circuit is actually really really strong yeah but it's just in terms of i guess publicity and fame and interest it's just sort yeah. of lower down um but it's just kind of bizarre they don't you know that they're kind of having these now but um i think november is an interesting time though because you do i think get players who are in that mode of chasing like they feel like they need to chase the points and they'll do points, yeah. almost like they'll do anything to to do that um i remember i saw so belinda benkic is playing like I think an ATK ITF event in America. Um, uh, and she's like, you know, obviously top 50, very, uh, very kind of surprising. But yeah, we've got, we're in this time period now where, you know, if there aren't um, people are kind of yeah, fighting for their year end rankings and getting as, as many points um, as they can. Absolutely, yeah. And if it means dropping down to like tournaments that are lower level than they would normally play for the points, then fair play to them. Yeah. Um, if they're fit and healthy and like happy to do that, and then then you know why not? <laughs> um, but should we go on to our Brits on tour section now? Because we've had quite a few trophies in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's a very again it's a very specifically in the doubles, doubles is kind of very so much blossoming had... in in the. Uh, yeah, in the, in the British tennis scene at the moment, um, it's great. We had Joe Salisbury and Neil Skupski um, partner with each other in Vienna, and they won the doubles trophy there. Uh, they beat Marcus Daniel and Wesley Kulhoff, uh, and then Andreas Mies and Hans Podlipnik Castillo <laughs> um, on on route to the semi-finals, name. where they faced the second siege Kubot. And Bello, uh, which saw them win, get through to the final, 
uh, where they faced uh, Mike Bryan and Roger Vasselan, uh, and they came out seven six six three winners. Yeah, and so that means that Joe Salisbury uh, goes up to thirtieth in the doubles rankings, and Neil Skopsky goes up to thirty four. So um, that's great. I mean, Joe Salisbury especially has had a great run of form um, of late. And they beat some pretty good doubles players uh, in that tournament. So, yeah, it's a great, great result. Um, but we also had, the same week, another British doubles player, Dom Inglot, winning the Basel tournament with Franco Skugor, his Croatian partner. Um, so, they beat Cecinato and Seppi. They beat Rohan Papana and Marcel Granolas, uh, Zabaios and Peralta. And then the, the Zverev brothers in the final um, and they won that in straight sets, and that's their third title together in the last six months. So that's really, really good um, for Dom as well. So he, he's our sort of second doubles, mm. you know, player after Jamie Murray. Um, yeah. We've now got three players in the top thirty. So Jamie, of course, Dom, and now Joe Salisbury, and obviously Neil Skupski is really not far behind. Yeah, we've got um, three can players. Can you name in the, the top... other three doubles players in the top one hundred or yeah. in the top seventy even? Yeah, we've got. Yeah, so uh, Neiling Ken Skupski, and then I'm going to see Johnny O'Mara. Yes. And Luke Luke Bambridge, is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's seven players in the top 70. So a tenth of the top 70 in doubles is yeah. British. And I wonder, like, um, the, the success of the doubles, and I guess going back to my earlier point of, like, comparing doubles and singles... If you look at Brit, you know, British tennis, is there a do? Do you think there is a divide? What well, is there a gap forming between doubles and singles? Where you know we've got seven, you know, as you said, we've got seven players now in the top seventy of the of the of the world of the world doubles rankings. But if you look at the single side of it, we've got only two in the top hundred now. Do you, do you what do you think do you think you can compare them is there a gap there or do you think yeah. like you know obviously is the singles a lot more competitive and you know harder to go up versus yeah. doubles yeah i guess it's just so much tougher to to make it in singles isn't it um and i'm sure all, all these guys you know when they were starting their tennis careers didn't set out to be double specialists but i guess in terms of practical side of things as well I guess at some point they have to make a decision where am I actually going to have the chance to like play in you know higher ranked tournaments earn better prize money quality of life on the tour and if that means just specializing in doubles and more successful at that then I can totally understand you know you'd make that decision for some players that comes earlier in their career than others um Hopefully, I mean, I just wish doubles would get more recognition, you know, like in the British press, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, certainly if it was, we had seven players in the top, 70 of the singles, tennis would be all over the news, surely, um, much more often. But, you know, it's not that we're not successful um, in British tennis. It's just, you know, it's taking on a different form, which isn't given the credit that it's due a lot of the time. Yeah. And. Looking, anyway, at, I love um, doubles. Um, looking at our juniors as well. <laughs> I, always, I, always, I always watch doubles uh, when I'm at the slams. I just sit on a court and I prefer watching that fighting my way onto like outside courts in the first week of slams. Um, yeah, the juniors as well, of course. Um, we've got some really promising 
yeah, we had um, Harriet Dart winning Oslo. She won the singles and doubles titles um, at a yes. 25k ITF Pro event. Uh, she lost one, just one set um, in her entire singles run and won the doubles without dropping a single set either. So she, uh, well, you know, well done to Harriet Dart there. Very good, uh, very good week yeah, for her in well Oslo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just talking about the single, uh, Carl Edmund, his season kind of ended on a bit of a bum note, didn't it? So he yeah. um, pulled out of Paris with a knee issue. Yeah, but I think he can look back on his... I think he can look back on his season and, you know, it, it, for me, it was definitely almost like his breakout season on, on the ATP circuit. He has he has kind of put himself, um, he's established himself on the tour, I think, f- for me now. OK, so, Joel, um, I'm really intrigued. I've been waiting all episode for this. It's my favourite part. Um, what random statistic have you got for me this week? Um, and I'm just in, also intrigued as to where it's coming from this time. <laughs> well... Wonder no more, Kim, because again, I've been trawling the ITF Futures circuit and have found myself for this episode in Vietnam um, at the Haidang Cup um, in Tay Ninh. And Amazing. We had... Okay. <laughs> and we had uh, the top seed uh, in quarterfinals action, uh, Roman Safulian from Russia versus Florian Lecat from France. Obviously, it's a you know, futures event, best of three set match. Maybe expecting a you know, 6-3, 6-4, kind of maybe a routine victory for the top seed. Did we get that? No. Uh, we got a victory for the top seed after one point. Um, it was a <laughs> match time, zero hours, zero minutes. Uh, scoreboard love <laughs> zero zero um, in terms of games literally one point was played and uh, LeCat retired and uh, yeah <laughs> Safulian went through for retiring? Um, after one point in the match um, I love it because on the is that just so he can get the money the well money? I've, possibly I mean I don't know how desperate he is I, can't, I imagine there's a lot of money in a quarterfinals of a 25k in uh in vietnam but yeah i guess i guess so or the maybe the points as well but um yeah very kind of <laughs> very random uh, so would <laughs> would that be the shortest match on history do you wow. think i mean do you know what sort of point it was was it an ace or was it just like a you know what i did i did search on Twitter <laughs> to try and find as much information as possible oh. but sadly i was only I could only find the uh, the score the scoreboard um, on the on the ITF. Well, app. But what was so great about it was it does give you a point by point play, um, and it does give you the match statistics as well. So you know, for all those kind of fans out there of of match statistics, it was a hundred percent first serves in, um, and obviously a hundred percent first serve points won by uh, Safulian. So um, well, that was a perfect match, wasn't <laughs> so perfect it? Game, absolutely yeah, perfect perfectly. game, absolutely perfectly, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, we'll put, um, what we'll do actually with each, um, scoreboard stories going forward is we'll put the, we'll put the photo of the scoreboard on our Instagram account. So you can have a look at just, and and look at in amazement, these kind of, some of these match statistics that, (laughs) that come up. So, uh, yeah, follow, if you follow at the passing shot on Instagram, you'll be able to see, 
Um, all of these one, weird What's and going wonderful on in the world? scoreboard stories. The scores that the papers don't report <laughs> and that Joel spends all his working week trying to find just for everyone listening. Yeah. When all um, the eyes are on Paris Masters, <laughs> Singapore Finals, I'm on the yep. ITF. We're watching Vietnam Futures. Yeah, exactly. That's where I mean, who, who isn't, Kim? Yeah. Who isn't? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually watching like the Uzbekistani, you know, 10K ITF pro women's tournament, you know, at 2am last night. Oh, okay. um, no, that was a total <laughs> random made up tournament there. Um, <laughs> but at least I know where Uzbekistan is. Yes. Anyway, um, I think we need to look forward to uh, the next couple of tournaments that will be happening before the season goes out with a bang. Mm. So we have got the next gen finals, mm -hmm. which are happening in a few days. And then the World Tour finals in London, which they start, well, I guess also next week. Am I right in thinking next weekend? Uh, yeah, they, I think they start next. Yeah, a week today. We're recording on Sunday. Yeah. So yeah, a week. Yeah, the, um, yeah, but I think the, so the lineups, I think for both are now set, obviously, yeah. Uh, players can still uh, pull out and you know we were talking about Nadal earlier will he play won't he play what what do you think Kim do you think he's going to play I feel like he probably won't um I have you know no inside knowledge but I just I don't know I don't see what he's going to benefit from playing it like was it last year he turned up and then just pulled out after like one match and I don't know I just I think if he was to turn up I just don't think he'd have any realistic chance of winning after having not played for a while and I just think it's probably better for him to miss it and just fully recover from whatever injury he does have um having said that I would obviously love him to be there <laughs> and I would try and you know see him play as I'm a Rafa fan so it would be lovely to have him there but you know ultimately I would want what's best for him yeah um so we've had but we've had Del Potro already pull out. He's, um, yeah, and Nishikuri as the full alternate will go in in his place. Mm. And if Nadal does pull out, then uh, John Isner I think is the second alternate oh. and would take his place as well. So that is that is to be confirmed. But I think at the moment we have uh, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, uh, Nishikuri, Zverev. Anderson, Silic, and Dominic team, which is a good, you know, as a very yeah. uh, a high quality group of players. Definitely. Do you still see it just being a, you know, <laughs> Federer Djokovic final? Oh, probably, yeah. Um, or possibly Anderson might make it to the final. Or, I mean, even if Isner gets in, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility for him to make it to the final because it's an indoor hard court, you know, I think it would suit him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't really see anyone but Djokovic. Having said that, maybe Djokovic might be a bit fatigued going into London because he's just won so many matches lately. I, I don't know, but Do you know, um, I'm looking Kim, forward I actually to watching I'm hoping to get to a match him or not two. winning. Sorry, if there's anything that would guarantee him not winning. No, I think there is a way we can guarantee him not winning, and that is oh. by predicting that he's going to win. Yes. <laughs> predict okay, I'm gonna predict that Novak Djokovic <laughs> will win the World Tour Finals. <laughs> and then now we've put the curse on him, yeah. so uh, we'll get like Dominic team winning or something. I am gonna go I'm gonna be a bit left field and I think 
I think Alex Zverev. Zverev is gonna. Oh, is gonna okay. Win. Yeah, I know that is a big. Mm. That is a big call. Um, well, actually, I mean, Dimitrov won. Was it last year he won, or two years ago? Uh, no, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it so, was. Last, was it last? Yeah. Did he beat Jack Sock in the final? I thought he beat Goffan. Oh yeah, final, that's it. Goffan had beaten yeah. Federer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I it would be really exciting if Zverev did win. Um, but I mean, I'm just intrigued as well from a fan perspective. I don't know um, how many people listening have been to the World Tour Finals, but it used to be quite good because for fans, you could like turn up and watch the players practicing outside the arena and it was totally free. But they've just kind of year on year got rid of that and they're just putting up more like, well, they're just having less stuff for fans to do. Um, so it's just kind of become about just going watching the match and the match. not taking in which the, is obviously an experience of it as opposed you know, to just still kind of good play. but <laughs> yeah it's just become a bit of a you know less of a fun tournament you know i like to see players practicing you know you get close to them like up you know the practice courts mm-hmm. you can kind of it's just yeah less of a fan experience but um we'll see we'll see what happens um and this ha- have they got one more year or is this the last year yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's obviously still at the O2, um, and yeah, I think yeah, I'm I'm not sure whether it's one or one or two years more. Yeah, we'll see. We shall um, see. But we've also got the next gen finals, which in a way I'm kind of a bit more excited about, maybe just because you've got some really really exciting young players mm. in that. Um, you know, like Halme Munar, Alex de Menor, Sitsipas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Fritz so for me I don't know that's a bit more intriguing yeah I think it was a shame that um, Shapovalov uh, had to pull out of it Um, I kind of like I look at some of these players and I'm thinking like Sissy Pass um, yeah Shapovalov and Dumanor I'm just thinking are they the next gen are they like the now gen because they've had some really good uh, they've had some really good uh, performances on the tour this year and um, I, I think we get yeah. to the point where like we, we're calling them when do we get to the point where we stop calling them the next gen yeah it's almost like the male equivalent of the Zhuhai tournament you know for players ranked 9 to 20 mm. um, yeah exactly because they're kind of already up there I mean I guess next next gen would be maybe like the Jack Drapers of the world if you're going down like that far but um, I don't know, it'd be cool. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Andre Rublev as well because I like watching him play. He's so sort of... He's very passionate. Know, he can get so fired up. Yeah. He's very, like, passionate um, but also pretty good at times. So. Yeah, I watched him Yeah, against, I'm really intrigued. Uh, I think I watched him beat Bednay in the US Open maybe like a first or second round uh, mm. last year, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, very fire, very fiery player. Um have you got any kind of predictions on on the next gen? Hmm. Um, well, I probably would go with Sitsipas, I suppose, because I just he is the most kind of. I think he's the out. I think me, he's like a clear favourite. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you never know. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's he's definitely the one to beat, isn't he? Um, he's kind of the real deal. And as much um, as the, but yeah. I'm, I, as much as the next gen is about the players as well, we've also got all those those uh, those rules that are um, you know those kind of rules in place, the experimental rules and the you know the courts. Yeah, that's true. 
with no doubles lines. And I think they've introduced VAR this year um, mm. to the tournament. So it'll be interesting also to see how that kind of setup works. And I think for me, the biggest, one of the biggest talking points in terms of rules at the moment is we see on the, the women's side, they allow the coaches on court. Um, is, do you think that will come into the men's game? I don't know. I think it depends really what the players themselves feel they would like and need. I don't know if it's something that's being discussed much within the players, like, um, I don't know, you know, within the players' um, capacity themselves. I, I don't know. I mean, it would make it more consistent to have the same across both circuits, but I'm kind of more of the opinion that I'm more anti-coaching on court personally because mm-hmm. I just think players should know what to do and how to get past, you know, a difficult player. And they need to like learn to think tactically um, without always having someone there <laughs> to um, to tell them. But I guess the next gen finals, it's yeah, trialing the latest in technology or any you know changes like that. So mm. it's not just for the upcoming players. It's I guess for the the tour as a whole for them to try all things yeah cool right well we've made our so is there any other burning news that you've got apart from maybe benoit pair's shockingly (laughs) pink hair you beat me to it kim because i just wanted to bring that up because that was a great that was like when i saw his photo i was like what on earth but i mean it's a really lovely pink it's so, just Benoit Pair doing Benoit Pair things, and I, yeah, exactly. I live, you know, I live I, for I, that. So that 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 was great. I assume Wimbledon wouldn't allow hair that colour. Oh, that's a good when question. It what? Comes round? Why not? To the grass court season. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Would they deem that part of his outfit? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. who knows? Maybe we'll be maybe maybe that'll be a discussion point in a in a future episode of the passing shots. Yeah. Um, or he'll but, do it green for the grass court season. <laughs> but for now, I think that kind of sums up and that wraps up uh, the latest um, episode of The Passing Shot. Uh, remember that you can uh, listen and subscribe to us um, on all kind of all famous kind of plat- podcasting platforms out there, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Remember to check out our social media pages on Instagram at The Passing Shot. And also our Twitter profile as well, um, at the passing shot as well. And um, yeah, any yeah. any final any final comments, Kim? Uh, no, just that uh, I'm going to be asleep when the Paris final is on, as I'm uh, on holiday at the moment. So hence we're recording before it happens. Um, I'm going to predict Djokovic in straight sets. So clearly he's going to lose love and love to Kachanov as our predictions are shocking um <laughs> no I'm sure he'll win uh, but yeah no I'm looking forward to actually getting to some live tennis as well at the world tour finals um are you gonna go yeah I might I might be potentially actually we'll we'll see but yeah. uh we'll be obviously in our on our next episode we'll be recapping all the goings on um in the world tour finals um yes. and also we'll be doing um End of season awards, I think, for the men and women's side in a, in a later edition as well. Uh, thank you for listening to the latest episode of The Passing Shot. Until next time, it's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Man, that is so university challenge. I know it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>